You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. One of the most frequent reasons attempts to change a health habit fails is that the goal attempted was too big to have a reasonable chance of success. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Taylor Grant, a recipient of the Gold Award for Health Promotion by the National Health Information Center. She has over 15 years of professional experience developing safety and wellness programs for government agencies, international corporations, national retailers, and major healthcare organizations. Her latest book, Health Matters, Eight Steps That Can Save Your Life and Your Family's Health, will be published in September of this year. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Dr. Lund. It's great to be here. Taylor, what are some of the more common reasons that people have difficulty making real changes to their health habits? Well, you know, we all suffer from this, and oftentimes we set up unrealistic goals. For example, we'll say, this year I want to lose 45 pounds, and something that is it may be it may be possible, but we just kind of state it in a big way, and we don't have a real plan for implementing that change. People might say, "I want to give up coffee," but when you ask them how how are you going to go about doing that, they haven't really thought that through. And also, a big one is they don't have a measure of whether they were successful or not. Oftentimes, even physicians will say things like, "You need to improve what you eat," or we'll say, "I want to get more exercise," but how do you know if you're doing that? You know, how do you know if you're achieving that goal? What's a common misconception about failure that keeps people from achieving a change? I always get a laugh on this when I give a seminar, but, you know, our misconception is that failure means we've failed. But what it's important to know is that failure is an inevitable part of making a change. Studies show, for example, that the one quality that differentiates people who are able to quit smoking from those who can't is their ability to try again when their attempt fails the first or second or third time. It's a cliche saying, but you have to get back up on that horse. And if you recognize that you're going to have failures and that failures are a normal part of what you do, you'll be ready to cope with them. And I know I'm not telling you anything because you deal with this in, in the advice you give people every day. What can you help us with? What can clinicians do to help their patients develop reasonable goals that they really can achieve? I have these four little things I've come up with called my ABLE rules. And I give them to you real quick. Keep it sizable. Make sure their habit has a size. For example, if you decide, okay, we're going to try to eat better, give them something like, let's have you eat five vegetables a day, or let's have your calories be at 1,700, 2,000, whatever you decide. Give them something that they know exactly what they're supposed to do. Number two, keep it reasonable. So if you're going to limit your calories to 1,700 a day and you make a list of foods and that list of foods adds up to 2,000 calories, then it's not reasonable that you're going to get down to that 1,700 calories. So make sure whatever you're doing is something that that person really can achieve with some, you know, reasonable attempts to do it, and they don't just feel discouraged and give up. Number three, keep it measurable. Again, you want to make sure you have an easy way to measure, did I achieve this? And I even give people tricks, like if you're trying to reduce the number of cups of coffee that you drink, put three pennies in one pocket. And throughout the day when you have a cup of coffee, transfer a penny to your other pocket. And when you're out of those three pennies, that's all the coffee you get. It, it really sounds kind of silly, but those kind of physical and visual cues will help people understand, okay, I made my goal for today. And then they get sort of a little buzz because they achieved it every day. And keep it doable. You need to make sure that you think about, again, am I get, what happens if I fail? How am I going to start this again? How am I going to my, have my motivation come back so that it is something you can get back up on that horse and try again? So sizable, reasonable, 
measurable, and doable. Absolutely. Okay, I think I've got it. Now, what about the obstacles? Do you discuss the obstacles beforehand with patients? So, so this is what's likely to happen. You know, you want to eat five vegetables every day, but you're in a hurry. You want to go through the fast food restaurant. Do you discuss that in advance? Is that important? Absolutely. And I even encourage to write it down, to have a little notebook or some kind of a goal plan where they can figure out how they're going to come up with a solution to an obstacle because then you won't get cut off guard. If you're saying if you want to get 30 minutes of physical activity every day, what are you going to do if it rains? You know, do you have an activity you can do inside the house? Helping them think through those obstacles will make sure that when they come to one of them, it just doesn't derail their plan. What do you do if you're on an eating plan? What do you do if you fall off of that plan? and you have a bowl of ice cream, or you eat that Snickers bar, does that mean your, your plan is blown for the day? No, we're going to regroup. We're going to get right back on. That's okay. And work it into your plan, because to ignore it is just not realistic and is what derails us a lot of times. You know, we joke about New Year's resolutions as an example, and the first glimmer of slight derail, and then they're gone, that, oh, well, I guess I'll just stop completely. Absolutely. You know, and I work with a lot of people on eating. Obviously, it's a big thing. People want to change their eating habits. And really, it's the, the Alcoholics Anonymous method of think of every day, get through each day. It really is true for any habit you have. If you can say it in the morning, today I will, and you can try to achieve that for just one day, it's a lot easier to chunk it up like that than to say, again, I'm going to never have a cookie again. Really, that's a recipe for true failure because it's just not something you're going to realistically be able to do, which, you know, I know you know is really the cause of fad diets being fads because when you say to somebody, I never want you to eat carbohydrates again, it's not realistic for most people to do that. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is healthcare advocacy expert Taylor Grant. We are discussing tips for helping patients make real changes in their health and perhaps in their life. Now, Taylor, how can us as physicians be a positive force in a patient's efforts to change a health habit? There's a lot that healthcare professionals can do. One of the biggest is to offer information. If you're talking to a patient and they want to quit smoking, they want to lose weight, they want to get more exercise, whatever the change is, if it's a, you know, a mental health change, offer them information. Tell them where to go on the Internet, what magazines they could read, what articles you've read that you found valuable. It's great because, again, we don't have a lot of resources for that kind of information. And you're such a trustworthy resource. People put so much faith in what their doctor says. So take that and treasure it and be that source of information. And another one you don't think of quite as often is offer them your support. Let them know you're really behind them, that again, you know that when they come in for their next appointment, they may have gotten off the train a couple of times, but that's okay, that you're really behind them and it matters to you that they try to make this change. I have a doctor and I'm in some ways I'm a great patient, in some ways I'm a terrible patient, but she is always just so supportive. She says, I know you. I know you tend to not do these couple of things I want you to do, but I'm there and I want you to keep doing them because I care about you. And it means so much when you hear that from a doctor. Also, try to keep tabs on what they're doing in a positive manner. If they know you're behind them and giving them encouragement, they're really going to just find you of what I call a circle of positivity. You're going to be one of the main players in that circle. And again, if you can come up with things like email or little notes or something you send out just to let them know, hey, I'm there and I'm, I'm behind you. How's this going? I know it's outside, again, the traditional doctor-patient relationship, but it can really enrich both of you. And then 
lastly, help them celebrate their small victories. Too often, medical professionals focus on a bigger goal because you know where you want that patient to get. You say, you know, I want you to lose that 30 pounds, and that's what I'm focused on. And when they come in, you look at their chart, and they only lost five. You need to kind of dig it up and say, you lost five pounds. That's great. Let's see if we can keep that up and move toward that big goal we have. So you don't want to ever discourage them. Be realistic. I'm, I'm not saying to sugarcoat everything because these are real health issues they're dealing with. But again, give them a little boost and then say, let's see how we can build this and make it an even bigger success. One of the things I find helpful because it's so hard to remember what challenges everybody's going through is to write a little note in the chart or a sticky note and say if somebody quit smoking to keep track of the anniversary date and the next time they come in say, gosh, you know, it's been seven months. Isn't that great? And they're so happy that you remember. Absolutely. I mean, I've even had physicians who my daughter went through an issue when she was about six years old. She had to have surgery. And I was so surprised that if, I think it was about three months after her surgery, I got a little note card from the doctor to her. And it said, Samantha, how are you doing? I hope your incision's healing great. And, and, you know, I'd love to see you anytime. And I thought, oh, what a wonderful touch. That, and I mean, my daughter to this day remembers that doctor's name, loves him. He's a specialist, so she doesn't go see him. But she's always saying, you know, oh, I want to go visit that doctor. So, a, again, think of it as a two-way street because it can enrich you. It can enrich them. And you really can start to see some real changes in your patients because you know what and I know everyone who's listening we all know how hard it is to make changes ourselves it's not that we can't relate to that and again if you can also relate a story that you made a change and or a change you're working on I'm trying to even do remodeling of my home and oh my gosh it's hard because I don't have the energy to do it on the weekends and I just let things go if you can relay some things you're working on some changes you're making and help give them that encouragement it's just what a powerful ally a doctor can be. What changes do you think are the hardest for people? We've talked a lot about eating changes, which clearly are hard for all of us. What other kinds of things do you see as being very difficult for patients that we maybe as physicians maybe expect too much of them even? Obviously, the physical things, the alcohol use, smoking, those things. I mean, when you're talking about a physical addiction type situation, those are very tough. But, you know, also changing behavior is very hard. We tend to be habits of you know, creatures of habit, and we like sort of our routines. And also there's a lot of forces in our life, and this is another thing that physicians need to be aware of. There's a lot of forces that sort of undermine your attempts to change. If you're the person that when your crowd goes out, you're the party guy, and you're the first one to order the beer and you're the last one to leave the bar, we're talking to this person and they're saying, I'd like to cut back, or I'm afraid that the alcohol is having a bad effect on my health. Understand the kind of pressures they're going to get when they go out with this group of friends who want them to continue to be that party guy. Those are some of the things, and if you can give them tools, and again, look at those obstacles they're going to face. You know, what are you going to respond when somebody says, hey, Earl, what happened to you? Are you a lightweight now? I mean, those are very real things they deal with. So anything, again, that we're trying to change our behavior, the smaller you can make it. I mean, if somebody wants to eat better, ask them, tell me a junk food that you think you can give up for one month. And let's just try to give up potato chips or french fries or whatever it may be or cut back. Those are the kind of things that can help be a little more realistic rather than, again, I need you to lose those 30 pounds. Any other tips that you have for those of us trying to help either ourselves or our patients change these big habits? Like you said, for ourselves, realize that you go through phases anytime you're making a change. You go through a phase of saying, do I want to make this change or do I not? Should I even do it? And then you get really, typically get really excited about it and you get into it and you might talk to your doctor or talk to other people 
And then if you have a little setback, typically it's real easy to get kind of waylaid and say, well, I, I don't want to make this change again. So it's keeping that excitement level up that is really important. And another trick you can use is encourage them to talk to people about their change that they're making. Because the more you talk to people about it, you kind of put some internal pressure on yourself saying, ooh, I told everybody I was going to try to eat better. So, you know, when I go get the McDonald's, they're going to know what I'm doing. And it's just sort of a little subtle way of, of self-checking. Makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Taylor. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great fun to talk to you, and I'd love to do it anytime. We've been discussing tips for helping patients make real changes in their health and in their lives. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.